everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. And I'm Ryan. And uh, today it's my turn to watch a movie I have never seen before. Uh, and we're getting back into the classics like mm-hmm. we did last week. Um, <laughs> I like how this is a classic now. <laughs> well, I mean... Well, it is, though. It compared is. Compared to, like, we were doing so much stuff from... Oh, this just came out last year. Yeah. Um, now we're getting into the reason we did this podcast. Like, what? You've never seen this movie? Yeah. And I think this was one of the first ones on the list that was like, we need to do this one. Yeah. And we finally got around to it after... A year of doing this? A year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half of doing this. No, wait, no. We can't have been doing this for two years, have we? This is two years. Are you sure? Yeah, March 2015. So we are sure. Or 2016 for um, Batman v Superman. I guess we are sure. Yeah. We are. Damn, two years. <laughs> well, I guess this is a good way to celebrate two years. Oh, with this movie, I, definitely. I didn't even realize we were doing that until right now. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, today I I watched the Mel Brooks classic, Blazing Saddles. Mm, one of my favorite Mel Brooks movies. Uh, I'll probably put it up there with one of mine. I haven't <laughs> seen, there. I have a lot of holes when it comes to Mel Brooks. Yeah, well, we'll fill them. <laughs> um, my, real quick before we get into the movie, my background with Mel Brooks was, I, my first introduction to him was, the producer's musical movie with Matthew Broderick yeah. and Nathan Lane. I thought that was the funniest shit in mm-hmm. high school. Um, to the point where we tried to petition the choir director to let us do the producers. Never happened. Yeah, no. Um, but then I, I got introduced to the original producers, mm-hmm. which I like the musical better. But it's still, for what it is, Gene oh, Wilder yeah. and Zero Mostel, like, damn. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and then my high school band director had like a party for all the jazz band kids because we were the fun ones. Yeah, kind of sucks. He's coming. Uh, and then at one point, I, my high school band director introduced us to um, Robin Hood Men in Tights, and that's a good one too. Yeah, and then Young Frankenstein. Yeah. So those are the ones that I. I know I've seen all of. Yeah. I've seen bits and pieces of History of the World Part 1. Yeah. That's um, one that I have as well. I haven't seen Part 2 yet. <laughs> there is no Part 2. There should be, but there isn't. That was the joke. Yeah, I know. Um, but, yeah, so in Blazing Saddles is just one of those ones that I just never got around to. Yeah. Been meaning to for, God, 10 years? Mm-hmm. At least. <laughs> Finally got there. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What, what was your introduction to Mel Brooks? Oh my God, this movie <laughs> when I was ten. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for those listening, yeah, ten, ten. Blazing Saddles. My introduction was ten. So Forty years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Um, I was. It was nine. It was uh, actually it was ninety five. Ten. It was nine. It had to have been nineteen ninety five. Okay. Um, I don't think it was when my dad started having me like listen to things and watch things that he found funny um, as he was growing up because he was uh, he would have been uh, sixty back in two thousand thirteen. Okay. So when he was going, he was, you know, like a, uh, um, a late teenager, young adult, you know, um, going through college and then just after getting out of college. There's a lot of movies that came out and a lot of skits that he thought was hysterical. Well, he kind of misjudged on the maturity of the material. Yeah. And so that's when I was introduced to Blazing Saddles, History of the World Part One, 
Cheech and Chong stuff that I, as a 10 year old, you know, probably. I've never sh- seen a Cheech and Chong shoot movie. Well, uh, it, there, it was an so. uh, it was a audio radio skit. Okay. That like their records. They, yeah, like uh, stuff like that. Um, so my conversation <laughs> after the fact of you know like hey you know this is funny on the TV but don't you know say these things and yeah. stuff stuff like that happened directly after I watched this movie because he didn't really realize what things in this movie can't you say? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that and there was a lot of jokes that obviously went over my head when I was ten, yeah. but it was one of those movies that no matter what age level you're at, you'll find something funny in this because you got slaps classic slap just slapstick humor yeah on top of um adult undertones <laughs> uh with some other stuff but um yeah no that was my introduction and then from there is when i saw a lot of the rest of his stuff and there's a movie that i talk about with people and it's one movie that a lot of people haven't seen and it's high anxiety yeah though it's milk it's Mel Brooks's like Hitchcock tribute to Hitch, yeah. Uh, yeah, to uh, to that. Like there are scenes, like half the movie is shot per shot scenes in locations that that Hitchcock filmed in, with a storyline that's Hitchcock esque, yeah. but throwing a funny bone into just the stereotypical Hitchcock storyline. That's line. something that Mel Brooks did a lot. Between mm-hmm. hi- like he did a lot of parodies. Yeah, um, but not like. Scary movie type parody. No, like no, no, no. That's the stuff I more of a like stand. a film version of Weird Al. Yeah, but not like a Weird Al parody, but like one of his originals. That's like taking a genre and spoofing it. Like exactly, song, you know the song Bob by Weird Al. Yeah, remember? yeah. So it, it's him singing as Bob Dylan doing just um, oh, what's the thing where the words spelled the, s- the thing spelled the same forward and backward? Yeah, palindrome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the palindrome. So yeah. It's it's that kind of thing where he's taking a style and spoofing it, but making it his own thing. Yeah. And um, that's what I felt like he did with Blazing Saddles, because yeah. I am not a fan of Western movies. I haven't seen many. I think You don't need to. Um, <laughs> the few that I've seen I've liked. Yeah. I know my dad was a huge Western fan, but he yeah. never really sat me down like, okay, we're going to watch these John Wayne movies. The only thing I really knew about John Wayne growing up was from Whose Lines It Anyway and Ryan Stiles' impression. Hey there, Pilgrim. How you doing today? All I know is that if I ever wake up randomly in a hotel room and I turn on the TV and it's nothing but John Wayne Western movies, I know that I've entered hell. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite Western I've seen is Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. That was like his last Western. It came out in like 92. Yeah. Have you seen that? I like... Uh, it's Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, and Morgan, Morgan Freeman. To be perfectly honest, the only Western-isk movie that I ever really liked, and it's not even a Western-type movie, it's more about slavery, was Django Unchained, or Django oh, okay. Unchained. I, for a second, until you said slavery, I was like, is he, he going to say Back to the Future 3? <laughs> no. Well, that one, eh, it's a comedy, so I don't, so I don't really put yeah. that in there, because it's more or less about, it, it's still them going through time. They just wind up at the Midwest. Yeah. Like, that... You know, whatever, but or out west. Uh, well, you know what? I don't like westerns that aren't comedies. Okay. So, like drama, action, westerns. Nah, no. Comedies, yes. Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're saying Wild Wild West is your favorite western? No, it's one just the comedy them? that I'm saying. Okay. It's the first one that came to my head. But that, mm, 
you know, but it just I loved I loved this movie from the first time I saw it, mainly because it was making fun of westerns. Okay. And I grew up originally like when I was ten. Well, when I was ten, we were living in Pennsylvania, but prior to that, until I was eight, we lived out in like the St. Louis area. Yeah. And it was the late to early. It was the late eighties, early nineties. So, well, that and the schools that I went to, I was the minority okay. at the schools that I went to. Like, I was one of very few white kids. And that just, I don't know. And then, I, and, and then watching Blazing Saddles, there was a lot of the hostility that I saw. Um, and this movie was really making fun of the people that put the that, that put that hostility out there, yeah. mainly bigots and racists. Yeah, and that's one of the very reasons why I love this movie because it casts them in a light that and fits. That, that's <laughs> the thing with Mel Brooks; like, it sucks that he can't make his kind of movie today. Yeah, th- this but movie I, would not make yeah. it to the big screen today. But part of me wonders if Mel Brooks did try it, if Hollywood would be like, you know what? We're gonna let you buy because of your track record with yeah. this, um, but I don't think they would. Like, yeah. I would love to see him do more. Yeah, but I think there's a reason that he's taken most of his what he's done in the last 10, 15 years has been adapting the producers and yeah. Frankenstein into Broadway musicals. Mm-hmm. It's because of that audience. It's that age yeah. group that was out when those movies first came out. They're now at that age where, you know, going to a musical is. You know, yeah. they have time for it now. Yeah. But in, um, in the world of Black Panther and Me Too and everything that's changing in Hollywood, I don't think he could make. No, especially he, he with. couldn't make the producers today. And especially with uh, the way some people are now with uh, being online, yeah. like PC police or whatever. I like, mean, I saw a thi- I heard still. a story not too long ago about this group of college kids who had to watch uh, Steve Martin's King Tut. Yeah. In class. And they petitioned to get it removed from their material for the class because it was so offensive to Egyptians. Oh, God. It's parody. Well, it's not even parody. It's making fun of the the tourism culture around... That's these the thing. Artifacts. Yeah, and, and that's they're like, no, this is just this is just wrong. It's like, yeah, calm, calm down. Yeah, so, uh, th- what they're forgetting is context. Like Blazing Saddles, yeah, you watch it without the context, and this seems like one hell of a racist movie. Yeah, but at the same time, if you really look at it, who are the characters that have common sense? Who are the characters that can actually put two thoughts together? And who are the heroes in the end? Yeah. Who are the villains? And how are they portrayed? Like this movie yeah. is, like this movie is a perfect example of the type of outcry that happens nowadays. That's really unwarranted. Like yeah. with the whole King Tut thing. Like, li- listen to the lyrics. Look at what he's doing. Look at how he's acting. He's making fun of the late uh, was it was the it was the late seventies, wasn't yeah. it? It was the late seventies craze, the American craze over King Tut thing going around the u.s yeah like people were acting like you know oh my god this is the greatest thing that ever happened and that everybody's buying tickets everybody's standing in hours you know uh, um in lines that are you know hour waits and it just it was and ridiculous if you, and if you understand the history of it then it it stays funny but if mm-hmm. you if you're ignorant and don't know when if you don't put the time in to understand where a piece is coming from where yeah. would be it King Tut or Blazing Saddles or anything. Yeah. If you don't understand the context of where this was coming out, 
when this came out, its place in time. Yeah. It doesn't mean as much. So, like, if you took something like Get Out yeah. and looked at it 50 years in the future, and, like, people might not understand what was so special about that movie. Or even Black Panther. Because yeah. God knows what's going to happen with Hollywood in the next few decades. But if they look at back Black Panther, they're like, oh, that's just another superhero movie. It's not. Right now, it's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and if you're not here for this moment, like, you're not going to get it. Yeah. So. So, yeah. So, and for me, a prime example would be with when it comes to the humor of this movie. At tor- in, the, in the beginning of Blazing Saddles, um, they're working on the railroad, mm-hmm. and the like this the foreman, whatever you want to call him, comes over and tries to get him to work faster. And well, the one guy was like, "Hey, sing one of your songs." And I'm editing myself heavily here. Yeah. Um, sing sing one of your quote yeah, unquote worker songs. Yeah. yeah no, not it's not happening. Um, you know, play play one of your songs or whatever, so, or you know, like sing one of your songs. So they start singing soul. <laughs> yeah. They, they start, start singing, singing like. Um, I get a kick out of you. Yeah, yeah. Like they start singing an actual uh, song. Um, it's not. It's not a traditional slave like working song. Yeah, it's like a Sinatra. Standard. Yeah, and so they all like all of the the quote unquote cowboys are looking at each other like, "What's that?" <laughs> and then um, I think one of them starts to like jokingly s- sing like one of those type of like working songs. Yeah, they start singing um, Camptown Ladies. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then <laughs> their boss comes over and yells at them for slacking off. Yeah, and right from the get go, when they started singing, um, "Can't get a kick out of you." Yeah, or "I get a kick out of you," uh, I was like, "Okay, this is Mel Brooks. Like this yeah. is this is what I expect from Mel Brooks. Like, yeah. This is um, I'm on board. Let's mm-hmm. go." Um, one thing I kn- I knew about this movie, I had only seen one clip of it before like that i know is yeah like, i feel like i've seen clips of this before but the one clip that i knew i saw because i used it in a thing in high school uh in high school we had the count basie orchestra mm-hmm. come in and play at our high school for a fundraiser yeah so i did a, a news report on it and i interviews inter- interviewed the band director about who count basie orchestra is and he talked about them being in this movie yeah because when he's riding in the desert going to the town for the first time the Count Basie orchestra mm-hmm. is right there. Yeah. So I pulled that clip and just played it, uh, which is not the most obscure thing I've played in school, <laughs> but that's the story for another time. Um, but I just remember that clip, and I remember the music exactly because I. Yeah. It's one of those things that I watched over and over, just editing it and finding it on YouTube. So I was like, oh yeah, I remember this clip. Yeah. Um, what was the scene that you weren't like? Give me a scene that you weren't like prepared for, or you were kind of surprised at, good or bad. Um, I was kind of surprised when you first meet the governor. <laughs> like all the governor stuff, kind of. Like, I didn't know Mel, Mel Brooks was actually in this. Oh yeah, uh, I kind of figured because he's in everything else. Um, but like I just <laughs> when he's just sitting there. Uh, signing the bills, and he just turns to his secretary. He's like, "Hey, boys, how you doing?" And then <laughs> just yeah. turns away. Like, I think that w- that's the one that sticks out the most. I think. Actually, no, that's not true. Because um, I told you I got distracted watching this and had to go back and rewind. Yeah. Um, when they when they at the very end of the movie, uh, when they have the fake town set up, and then it, the camera pulls back. Yeah. It reveals Warner Brothers' lot. Oh yeah, and then it's uh, 
the fight just continues yeah, to the Warner the, Brothers. The, <laughs> the French mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not expecting that. I was like, I missed something. What the hell is going on now? Because I know that number from a Family Guy episode. Yeah. Like, I haven't watched Family Guy in years, but I know that from the... I think it's the episode where Peter turns gay. Yeah. Um. So I, I was like, what the hell? And then it's Dom DeLuise, and I was like, okay, what did I miss? Yeah. And then I was like, okay. And I, I love that shot of the just the slow pullback and then the reveal of this Warner Brothers lot. Mm-hmm. Um, which I you never get to see much unless it's Animaniacs. Exactly. So, like, the whole Hollywood stuff is like, this is bizarre. Like, <laughs> but it's, but, but it was perfect, it. though. It I, fit. I enjoyed it. Like, it. It fits and it doesn't fit, but at the same time, it's wonderful. Yeah. Like, as much as it doesn't fit, like, I still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, it's very... I don't want to say meta, but it's very self-aware. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because you have different moments where people turn to the camera and just speak right to it. Yeah. Um, breaking the fourth wall, which I appreciate. Let's talk about the cast a little bit. One thing I did know about this was it was written for Richard Pryor. Yeah. Um, but Cleavon Little, Little, um, like I don't really see Richard Pryor in this part. I don't know if I've ever actually seen a Richard Pryor movie that's not Superman 3, though. <laughs> so, it, it, the, If you watch a couple of uh, of his movies and then you rewatch this one, you can see where there were scenes that were built for him. Yeah. But I feel the actor that they eventually got... I'm not good with the actor's name, yeah. so we've already discussed this, but I feel like the guy that they got for the film was perfect. Yeah. Because just... The way that he took control of a lot of the scenes, especially with the humor side of it, was great. Like when he arrives in a town for the first time and they all point their guns at him and he takes his own gun and puts it up to his neck and yeah. he starts saying that, you know, one more move and he see, gets it. I can definitely see Pryor doing that. Yeah. So, uh, and then he looks at the camera and I goes, the big, one so, of the biggest things so that, good. One of the biggest things when it comes to Mel Brooks movies for me is Gene Wilder. Oh, yeah. Because I grew up obsessed with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. Kind of like my, we talked about my niece being obsessed with Boss Baby. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, oh, it's so bad. <laughs> uh, how bad her addiction is to it. But my parents were just like, oh, that's how you were with Willy Wonka. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but So I still have like a hard time not seeing Willy Wonka when I see him. Yeah. Um, and that's with everything. That's with this and Young Frankenstein. And yeah. I need to get past that. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I can, just because <laughs> I'm so used to that. Um, and I, I remember when he passed away, we wanted to do this one. And yeah. I don't know what happened that we didn't. That was a long time ago. I though. can't even but, remember. Um, other members of the cast that stood out to me were um, Lamar. Yeah, uh, Harvey Corman. I was like, I know that guy. What do I know that guy from? And I knew him from. We watched the uh, Carol Burnett special that they did for the sixtieth yeah anniversary of her show. He he was he blew my mind. Like I don't really think I've seen him outside of like little sketches on Carol Burnett. Yeah, and maybe a few other things, but like for the villain, he blew me away. Like his performance was phenomenal. And I didn't know it was him. Like yeah. I, I never really heard about him being in this. So, but I guess he worked with Mel Brooks a lot. So I guess I have to go back and mm-hmm. watch more Mel Brooks because I, I need to rewatch History of the World. Um, and he's in High Anxiety. 
So, have you seen a pack of Trojans go through here? Darn it, I sold my last pack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the reason we brought this up last week is Madeline Kahn. Yeah. Um, playing. Oh, she's hysterical. Strump. Yeah, she's. Oh, I, I loved her in this. I did too. Like the the burlesque song or whatever the the what 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 passed is like a strip tease. Yeah. Uh, back then, where you would have somebody who really wasn't that good at singing. It was just you had a lot of guys in the town, and so a female performer came through and did her act, and then left the next day. Yeah. And the fact that they played her off as being like stereotypical German. And then with the German backup dancers yeah. in the outfits, and it's oh my god! And then she's yelling at you know like she she's she's looking at the crowd to like I- interact with, yeah. so she's not even singing the words. Are you performing? Then get your feet off the stage. Yeah, is it a ten gallon hat? <laughs> <laughs> like stuff like that. Like just this what? movie. Throughout a part of my obsession with this is like I said when I was ten, a lot of it didn't catch on to me. But as I got older and I rewatched it, more I got more of the jokes. Yeah. So it was one of those things where it's like every time I watched it for about seven years, I was getting a joke here and there that I didn't get before. So I had like seven years of development with this film. See, that, that's the thing. Like I feel like I need to watch it again just so I can get the jokes that I missed the first time. Yeah, because there's a lot of subtle stuff. A yeah. lot. I picked up on a few things, but I can't remember any of them right now, which Did sucks with the podcast. But yeah, well, okay. So you know the scene where they're sitting around the campfire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's actually the first time in Hollywood that they actually filmed a scene with uh, farting in it as its prominent like gag. Because <laughs> think about it. Yeah. Think of all the movies that they would have made back in like from, like, silent movie era to, like, the 60s. You're telling me that Casablanca doesn't have a fart joke? <laughs> I'm I've also, never seen Casablanca, so... I, I'm also telling you that um, uh, uh, any comedy that was made back in the fif- back in the 50s and 60s also didn't have yeah. a fart uh, joke in it either. That's surprising to me, but... I mean, I'm I'm it's sure that there was, like, gas humor, but that's the first time that, like, like, you had... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just pure toilet humor. Man, what a what a slippery slope that led us down. <laughs> well, if it wasn't for Blazing Saddles, we would never have Nutty Professor Two, the clumps. <laughs> so, thanks, Mel Brooks. Yeah. So you're the gift that keeps on giving. Exactly. So there's that. Um, and then you've got my my favorite character in the entire film is Mongo. He's like the brute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he punches the horse, when he knocks the horse out, when he gets off his first off, first off, he's riding an ox. Yeah, in in into town, he gets off and he punches out a horse, like <laughs> flat out, uh, alongside the head, knocks the horse out. Um, and and, uh, and then of course everybody's like reaction to him, and then you got the sheriff comes in acting like Bugs Bunny. With the telegram for Mongo, and then they have like the Warner Brothers cartoon theme music going on. Yeah, at, at that scene, but that's not my favorite part. My favorite okay. part is when they de-chain him, and he goes on about how Mongo just pawned in Game of Life. Yeah, that <laughs> just that whole thing, how they build up that character, and then him saying something like that is just 
Yeah, it I like makes me too. smile. It makes me smile. It I, makes me I like the 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 Looney Tunes gag too. Yeah, because I didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. But that's totally a Bugs Bunny move. Yeah, and that also plays into the uh, self aware thing. Yeah, um, just knowing on. that it's you know just everything from this movie from beginning to end to where you've got you've got them starting on the railroad and you like Mel Brooks doesn't shy away from the time period. Cause I really like how, I really like how they made this comedy. They had pretty much almost all of the non-essential characters stuck in that era. They weren't there to be in a comedy. They yeah. weren't in there to be in a drama. They weren't in there to be in an action film. The background characters were legitly in that time and in that era. And then you had the main characters that were the um, that were the villains. Where you had the you had the foreman who was doing like the railroad stuff, his gang, and then you had the uh, the the secretary or the 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 secondary to the mayor the one that was yeah. Headley Lamar yeah and so you had you had that going on and they were stuck in the prejudice of that time period but then you had um but then you had the sheriff and then you had the uh Gene Wilder mm-hmm. and you had a couple other people that were in town that were the comedic part of it. And that's what made it funny. Yeah. Like you had the town hillbilly screaming from the rooftop. And every time he tries to say, what do you say? What do you say? He said, the sheriff is near. <laughs> he said, the sheriff is near. Cause every time he tried to warn them that the sheriff wasn't white, <laughs> the bell would go off in town. And so it just, it's things like that. Yeah. One, one thing I really appreciated about this movie is how they got around using that word less because there are moments when they start to say it and they get it cut off by whether it be the bells or realizing who they're talking to. Like my favorite, I think my favorite scene in this was when, uh, Headley is introducing the sheriff to the governor. Yeah. And the governor pulls the guy aside. He's like, you realize this guy is and stops. And then he goes back and does the same thing with, who he meant to talk to. Yeah. And he cuts off at the exact same spot. Yeah. So it's like the same, like that's my favorite kind of Mel Brooks joke. Like it's, oh wait, nope. Back to one. Yeah. Okay. Same thing as I hit my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I really appreciate as uncomfortable as that word makes me, like the way they got around using it mm-hmm. is very well done. Well, because they used it when, you had again, like I said, you had the people that were in the background, the uh, you know people who were just stuck in the era. It felt more like a period piece. Yeah. Like you, you can get away with you know actual historical, you know, yeah. like time. I'm just repeating myself. You can get away with using it if it's accurate for the re, uh, for the context and 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 the setting. Yeah, setting it when they did, having it be the type of storyline that it is, and having white folk <laughs> for that time period being being in the positions that they're in and then all of a sudden they get sent a black sheriff like, yeah. yeah the word's going to be used a yeah. lot in yeah. that town uh but the way that they handled it with you know him going from I think you mentioned it the old lady saying up yours 
yeah. when he was trying just to go around and meet people, and then he comes back, and then Gene Wilder goes, "What were you expecting? Yeah. These are th- th- these like, are farming simple what, folk." What was great is like three s- scenes later, she's like, "I'm sorry about the up yours. Yeah. Here's a pie. Here's a pie. Yeah. Oh, and don't tell anyone about this. Yeah, <laughs> you've got it, ma'am." <laughs> <laughs> So you had that's that that's where you handle a touchy social subject yeah. matter. Like that's how you well, deal that, with yeah, it. Yeah, Mel Brooks is very good at that because mm-hmm. springtime for Hitler. Like that shouldn't be a thing, but it is, <laughs> and it's hysterical. And it's even in this movie. Well, it's did be, you did you have yeah. you caught that? Like, yeah, I, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Springtime for Hitler is playing. Mm-hmm. It was like a saloon version. Yeah, which I'm used to sal- saloon versions of like '90s alt rock hits yeah. from uh, Westworld. <laughs> so is it Springtime for Hitler and Ragtime? Okay. Yeah. So it, it, it's one of those things that Mel Brooks can do, and I really wish that he would make another one. And at, at this point, the way I see it, he's old enough that if he were to get backlash for it, why would he even care? Yeah. And the humor like I don't like I don't I do not like a lot of modern comedies yeah and the reason why is because a lot of it's gone down the uh the hangover you didn't like the hangover I, I like I like the hangover you I don't, don't like Martin two, two I, and three no no no, no. I'm not even talking about that I'm talking about how you'll you'll get a hit it, in a genre that changes like action films they change mm-hmm. for a while uh it was the expendables yeah was like the gold standard of what an action movie was supposed to be before that you had the uh born movies and then prior and, and then in the 90s you had your stretch of like you you needed the action yeah. person for it and stallone schwarzenegger, stallone, schwarzenegger and then Exactly, and they were body count movies. They weren't films. They were body count movies. And the same thing can be said for comedies. You watch any comedy, like a mainstream comedy from the 90s, they're all going to have the same feel. You watch a movie from, like, the early millennium, Zoolander, you know, Zoolander came out around, uh, around the same time as, like, Wedding Crashers. It was a few years before, but yeah. It was a few years before, but you still have, like, it's that's that same general yeah. type comedy feel to it. Zoolander 2 came out, what, last year? Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago. That movie was ten years too late. I believe the movie is called Toolander. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't care. That's what I call it anyway. Like, that movie was made way too late and came out way too late. Like, yeah. Comedic tastes change, and I like The Hangover. I don't like the movies that came out after it. See, I like The Hangover. Not a big fan of Bridesmaids. I'm not either. Bridesmaids just didn't didn't work for me as well as it worked for other people. And I don't. I I like everyone in it. Just I didn't think it was that great. Like I like Paul Feig. We've talked about him before. Yeah, because he's the one who did Ghostbusters. Um, I like him. Um, but I just, it just, it was funny, but it's just like not one of my favorites. To me, that movie Bridesmaids lost me when she was going in the who's the better friend battle. Yeah. That's when that movie See, lost when, me. When it comes to comedies, like the ones that I appreciate the most nowadays are, um, 
like some of the old stuff, like to the guy who did uh, Thor Ragnarok, his movie before that called What We Do in the Shadows mm-hmm. is hysterical, but it's not something that's mainstream. It yeah. not, doesn't have like anyone from the Brat Pack. or. I'll give you an example. Yeah. Blazing Saddles, High Anxiety, uh, uh, Men in Tights, Harold and Maude. Yeah. Not a Mel Brooks movie, but still a comedy. Yeah. Those movies are funnier to me than anything that's come out yeah. in the past 15 years. I think the funniest movie that I've seen in the last few years um, is probably The Nice Guys. Like, the Shane Black stuff, I think, is hysterical. Mm-hmm. Like, Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang, The Nice Guys. Yeah. Did we do The Nice Guys for the show? Uh, don't believe so. Okay, we did We did Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang. Yeah. Um, it's been two years. I can't keep track of what we've, what we've <laughs> done and what we haven't. Um, but that, that's the stuff that I think is the funniest. Yeah. And then, like, you get the Marvel stuff. Like, they have the jokes in there, but they're not meant to be comedies. No. Right, um, and I mean, Ragnarok was a little bit, but like, I think, I'm trying to think the last comedy I actually went to see in the theaters was Horrible Bosses 2. Do I need to pause? No. Okay. And I just went to see that with my sister because I think it was rated R and she was underage at the time. Yeah. We did a ride and it's like, okay, well, I'll go to this. And it wasn't mm. bad, but I don't really go out to see comedies at all. Oh, Trainwreck. That's probably one of the better comedies of the last few years, too. Trainwreck. That's the... Trainwreck's the Amy Schumer comedy directed by Judd Apatow. Oh, hey. The Judd Apatow stuff is always solid to me because it's different every time. Trainwreck started a trend where a lot of the comedians that I listen to on podcasts are getting their own, like, projects. And mm-hmm. tra- Trainwreck was Amy Schumer. Um... Pete Holmes has a show on HBO called Crashing. Yeah. Um, Kumail Nanjiani has The Big Sick, mm-hmm. uh, which is really good. Yeah. Um, and they're all these, they're comedies, but there's also a lot of drama to it. So they're funny, but they also have heart. So a lot, yeah. the, a lot of the comedies that I'm seeing now aren't just straight up slapstick, in your face parodies. It's more, it's more dramedy. Yeah. mixed in more drama mixed in with that comedy so while well, you'll be laughing out loud at john cena john cena in a scene of train wreck next minute you're you're like sad for the character yeah because of whatnot so i actually yeah now that you remind me about that i actually did like that movie yeah. i saw that one i could i could never remember i could never remember the name of it though that's the, the problem the train wreck? yeah yeah I, that movie made me want to see. Holy shit! I just remembered. I like John Cena in that made me want to see uh, Sisters with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Comedy is always evolving, and we're never going to go back to comedies like Blazing Saddles. Yeah, no, because it it just can't be done anymore. But they have their place in history. Mm-hmm. And we can learn from them, and people can ex- like take ideas from this, like. Not the racial stuff, but like different comedy elements besides yeah. that. Like the way the jokes work out, like the just the pacing and different. I guess a lot of my humor goes to situ- uh, is more of a situational humor plus reaction. Yeah. And I'll give a perfect example is from the beginning of Blazing Saddles, where uh, the main character and his buddy is. Is on the handcart, the quicksand. In the quicksand. Yeah. Okay. 
the two guys come over, the two cowboys, quote unquote cowboys come over and they rope the handcart out and they're like, wow, we would have lost like 500 is a $500 handcart or, or, yeah. or like a $200 handcart or something, you know, something that's like, it's a good thing we fixed this. We'll have to go back and give it the boss to change the, you know, where the uh, uh, tracks go. And they go back to the two main characters and they're just there like, we're right what here. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, what aren't you, aren't you going to get us? But it's that look of like astonishment, but at the same time, they're not surprised. Yeah. And then they go back to the two quote unquote cowboys and they're acting like it's the handcart just moved in there on its own. Like I'm, that, I, the, the, the humor is the reaction of the main character and the yeah. buddy. Like that's to me, that to me is what makes that funny. And the same thing with Mongo when he says Mongo and Pawn of Light, you know, Mongo is just a pawn in the game of life. The main character and Gene Wilder's reaction to each other to that statement yeah. is what makes it funny for me. And the problem is I don't really like in the hangover. I like, cause there's a lot of that, especially when they first wake up being down in like the outside eating area of the hotel that they're in. Mm -hmm. And, and they're still hung over and getting off of the, of the drug that they took. Yeah. And they're trying to remember where, uh, um, uh, uh, is where they went. Like it, that's the type of stuff that I find funny. When you pull away from that and it's just goofy. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Let me just say, um, it's been a long time since I've seen Quicksand be a plot device. Like growing up, Quicksand was in everything, and I haven't seen anything with Quicks. Somebody well, getting stuck in Quicksand in a long time. That's because it's so that not a thing anymore. I know. Yeah. Uh, I was quick, actually quicksand, like one of my favorite. I don't know where I've heard this before, but like always like the joke growing up. I, I thought quicksand would be a bigger obstacle <laughs> in life than it actually is. <laughs> well, that's what was it. Uh, I was actually listening to something. Uh, they were talking to a filmmaker. Uh, I was listening to the radio and they were interviewing a filmmaker and quicksand got brought up. And they were saying that the uh, that the reason why quicksand was such a big thing, especially back in, like, the silent movie era, mm -hmm. and then you get in, like, the, the 40s and 50s with, like, adventure films and stuff, is because people really didn't have an idea of these areas in the world that these movies went to. Yeah. And with the advent of technology, the world gets smaller and smaller, so more people have a, an understanding of what it's like in a tropical forest, what it's like out in the Sahara. Like it, it's, it's, there's more of a public understanding of what real dangers are and what are made up. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why quicksand kind of disappeared because there's other things that are better <laughs> to use than that. It sunk to the bottom of the barrel. It did yeah. pretty much. Okay. So we're about 40 minutes into this whole. And I feel like we talked saddle. more about other stuff than we have. We have, the movie. um, one thing we haven't brought up at all it, when we were listing Mel Brooks movies is Spaceballs. Mm -hmm. Didn't bring it up at all. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Okay, uh, good. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't list that. I I, I like Spaceballs a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably, out of the original Mel Brooks movies, that's probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, I realized that like partway through, I was like, we never talked about Spaceballs. Like, how did we not bring that up in yeah. the beginning? Knowing well, how big of a Star Wars fans we both are. Well, it's, it's, I think it's because it's a given. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but how familiar are you with Max Brooks, his son? I have two of his books. Okay. 
and the zombie survival guide in World yeah. War Z. And I also know that he he's actually part of a think tank with the Pentagon. He is. Yeah, he he actually works at the Pentagon. Talk about a, not following your yeah. dad's footsteps. Um, he works with the Pentagon in thinking up of things for us to be prepared for. Yeah. So one of the things that I heard that he talked about on, because they were doing an interview with him on NPR, uh-huh. and this is when I found all this out. The think tank that he's on is to bring situations that could happen realistically um, to generals within the Pentagon itself so then they can develop a, a plan. So even if they don't practice it in real life, at least they have something on paper to go off of. And he uh, they asked him like to give an example, and obviously he can't give a you know anything that's in the works or classified. So so he brought up an an example that he actually um, was allowed to actually give out. The company that there's a company that a lot of people don't like that have to do with GMOs, Monsanto, Monsanto, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That company that was an American based company. Yeah. Okay. So we had control of like, like 98 to 97% of all of the DNA chains for wheat. Yeah. Monsanto was sold to bear the, uh, to bear aspirin pretty much a German based company. So they are now a German company, not a U.S. company. So now 97% of all of the DNA strands of wheat or whatever their seeds are now own, is now owned by Germany. So what happens if we tick Germany off and they decide to sell, I don't know, 80% of those seeds to Russia instead, instead of to us? So this is the type of stuff that he thinks up yeah. of and for us to be aware of. Um, and the, what, what landed him that job was the zombie survival guide. Yeah. In World War Z. In World War Z, because the government read it and they were like, holy cow, this isn't like the majority of the stuff is things that we actually need people to do, like have a bug out kit, have a plan in place, Mm -hmm. you know, like, because different things happen. You want to be prepared for it, but in the core essence of it, you know, wildfire, earthquake, evacuation, a bug out bag. Yeah. Helps you in each one. Any other thoughts on Blazing Saddles before we wrap this up? The Everything about Blazing Saddles to me is gold. Yeah. The opening, character development, the music, the, the ending, uh, the breaking the fourth wall like constantly throughout the entire film. Uh, to where they ride out into the sunset, then stop, and they get in a limo, and the limo dr- drives off. Um, and then having uh, and the, the piece by piece, the, the the whole thing of Gene Wilder exp- uh, um, explaining his character and why he isn't the Waco kid anymore, yeah. and stealing the the chess piece from the board. Yeah, yeah, the the yeah. hand going. It's like I don't know why hand? I'm doing a visual gag on yeah. a podcast. <laughs> he's like he brings up his hand. It's like rock still. He's like, yeah, but this is my shooting hand, and he waves it off to the side. Um, to the the more of the crude humor, where uh, 
she's supposed to seduce the sheriff and she asks him is it true what they say and then the light turns (laughs) off and she's just going it's true it's true it's true (laughs) so like just to that gag and then when they're in the church and they 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 throw the bomb in uh into the church and that's what gets the headley his idea and then he looks out the window and you know, there he's about to, the guy's about to be hanged, and then he stops him. But the guy that's the the guy who's doing the hanging. At one point, they look out, and he has a guy on a horse. Yeah. The guy has a noose around his neck, and the horse has a noose around. Oh, his I neck. missed the horse having one. Yeah. So, so <laughs> like the guy and the horse, and then uh, the, the, the the hangman goes up to the main character, and he's like. You know, like adjusting the size. Yeah. You know, are you comfortable? That's the thing with Mel Brooks. Like, it's a mix of humor. Like, it's not just satire. It's not just slapstick. Yeah. It, you've got those. You've got visual comedy. You've got wordplay. Yeah. Like, it's a little bit of everything. Like, comedy's greatest hits, all in one. Yeah. And I think, like we were t- talking before, I think nowadays it's like let's stick to one. Like a lot of comedies just get stuck on one type of humor. Like fart jokes or whatever the yeah either it's the moment is either it's all crude humor yeah. or it's all it, it, it's uh burn it's after good. reading is a perfect example yeah. of that that's one type of humor throughout yeah. the entire movie i thought i'd love that film i couldn't get more than 20 minutes into yeah, it Yeah, i remember not being a big fan of that yeah but all right that's, I mean, I just, I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it. Um, I can't believe it took me this long to see it. it. When I posted on Facebook that I was watching it for the first time, everyone was like, what? You've never seen that? <laughs> so hopefully they all come and listen to this episode. And yeah. And if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> thank you for Make getting sure this far. like us on Facebook <laughs> and subscribe on iTunes. Yep. Um, that's all I've got for today. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what I'm making you watch for next week. We'll figure it out. And until next time, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And this has been you for the Watch the Podcast. We'll see you next week. <laughs>